The following program is presented by the HTM Podcast Network. Tech Nina! Kansas City! You ready? You ready? Three, two, one, go! Welcome to the Breaking Competition, the opposition fake. I don't think they really want it. Loud is the recipe. Loud sitting next to me, no doubt. Now we are proud that we get to see KC Chiefs come and break these geeks, make them taste these cleats. Welcome to the It is Friday, February 7th, 2020, and you are tuned in to Hitting the Offseason here at the HTM Podcast Network online, hittingthemarks.com, and Hameen Media, hackerhameen.podbean.com, also live at twitch.tv backslash conspiracyhorsemen. On this week's show, we're talking a little bit about the Super Bowl, the NFL CBA, the London Jaguars, the quarterback carousel, and the launch of the XFL. My name is Jargo. I'll be your host for the day. Let's welcome in the skill positions. Coming to us first by way of snowy upstate New York, the man whose media is anything but social, Mr. Jeff Sanders. Jeff, welcome back to the show, my friend. Thanks for having me back, guys. Appreciate it. And in the slot, he's big Stevie Cool, Stevie Richards. Stevie, are you ready for the XFL? Absolutely not, because I want to watch it as a casual fan, just like you guys. And I am going to be my goal in 2020 is to turn into the anti Antonio Brown, meaning I hope to get rid of all social media, which means the chances of being in a suicide jumpsuit are probably pretty low for me. Absolutely fantastic. I saw that there was some Antonio Brown news that came out yesterday, actually, that they're trying to figure out how to handle this entire Antonio Brown situation. Stevie, we've talked about Antonio Brown a little bit. Jeff, what's kind of your thoughts on this entire Antonio Brown saga that we have seen unfold over the course of the last year? Uh, it's kind of it was kind of out of left field for me. I mean, originally when he was with the Steelers prior to all this nonsense, he was a guy that kept his mouth shut, did his job very well on the field, uh, and got re- handsomely rewarded for it. But then. It just something snapped in his head. I don't know if they want to say CTE or or what the case may be, but he is he is gone off the deep end. I mean, Drew Rosenhaus, who is his agent, is a pretty uh, he'll let a lot of things go, and even he said, right, "Listen, I'm we're done unless you go get some professional help." And then, of course, we saw the entire arrest and that entire saga go down. Stevie, I don't think we've talked about it here in, in the most recent of past. Um, yesterday, I even saw Antonio Brown came out and issued an apology to the Steelers for being such a distraction inside of the locker room. What do you think, man? Is there any chance A.B. finds his way back onto an NFL team next season? Well, it's a league of basically, just like Mike Tomlin had said, if I, I, I'm going to paraphrase his quote, that basically – you know his talent uh, weighed on with his weighed in with his distractions. 
they'll put up with it as long as they can, and then they'll get rid of them when they don't want to put up with it anymore. Some team's always going to take a chance on a guy like that, short of him being in prison. prison. Like, uh, I think the believe Lawrence Phillips was the running back that got into a lot of trouble and he got put in prison. If he didn't get put in prison, he probably would have still got a deal with a team. It's it's just a boy who cried wolf right now, though. How many times has he apologized and then two hours later started burying the people he apologized to? I also find it hilarious that on his Instagram, he keeps kissing Tom Brady's ass as much as he possibly can. Wherever Tom Brady goes, that's where I want to be. Even though the two leading teams are probably the Patriots and the Raiders, two teams that AB has already screwed over. Yeah, I agree with that. Bill Belichick is kind of like the final straw, I think, in the NFL. Most coaches' barometer is, well, if Bill Belichick can turn him around, he's the only guy that can do it. And he went there and was very quickly turned away. And to be honest with you, Tom Brady, he can say all he wants about wanting to go with Tom Brady. I would imagine Tom has no no desire to be paired up with that guy because it's just going to tarnish what you're doing and, and your legacy, and uh, which Brady is 100% about what his legacy is going to be. He can't be attached to Antonio Brown in the, in the final years of his career. We'll talk a bit more about Tom Brady when we get to the quarterback carousel and see where TB12 is going to land. But, gentlemen, we got to start things off this week with – the Kansas City Chiefs, of course, claiming their first Lombardi trophy in 50 years. Patrick Mahomes named the Super Bowl MVP 26 of 42 for 286, two touchdowns, two interceptions. Although there seems to be a lot of debate as to whether or not Damian Williams should have actually won the MVP. 17 carries, 104 yards with a touchdown. Stevie, did you have any doubt in your mind as you were watching this game that Patrick Mahomes was going to be the MVP if the Chiefs won this game? Well, I think I think a lot of times, and Jeff can probably speak to this since he's been in kind of the middle of games and how it's viewed, but I think everybody's always predisposed to have a quarterback win the MVP, to have a quarterback win, of course, the Super Bowl MVP. And if that predisposition, if that's even a word, even exist, it did not exist, the Seahawks probably would have won another Super Bowl if they just handed the ball off to Marshawn Lynch. But they wanted Russell Wilson to be the MVP. Yep. True story. Uh, Jeff, Patrick Mahomes, the last six and a half minutes, in my mind, absolutely won this MVP award. Um, as far as I'm concerned, the Chiefs aren't even in that position without Patrick Mahomes. I don't care how many yards Damian Williams racked up. What do you think? Is there an actual case for Williams to be the MVP of this game, or is this just media nonsense? I think there's a case for it. Um, if you look at that run, he had to break the break the score wide open, kind of a nail in the coffin um, to the Niners. Is that one play enough? Oh, probably not. I was on the fence when I first heard Patrick Mahomes, and then you go back and I rewatch the game. He he is the reason they won that game. So, um, and it works out for the NFL. It works out for the for the fans. Everybody wants Mahomes to babyface, whether it's the NFL or the fans, um, and they they get that he got to perform up to that level. The two picks was uh, you know out of out of character for him, but he bounced back well from those. He didn't let it affect the rest of his game, and he went on to win the Super Bowl. And I think he deserved the MVP. If Damian Williams got it, yeah, I would say you know they didn't screw Patrick Mahomes, but um, I would pick someone does the other for me because Mahomes did his job out there and he did it very well against a great defense. And if San Francisco would have won that game. 
the MVP would have been Jimmy Garoppolo. I, Stevie, for the first three and a half quarters of this football game, Jimmy Garoppolo outplayed Patrick Mahomes. Well, he did, but you can look at that two different ways. He outplayed him, but only because of what people like Nick Bosa and uh, the San Francisco defense did to Patrick Mahomes and their, their receivers. So, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo wouldn't be able to play. I'm talking about in a shootout. There's no question Patrick Mahomes would have done it, but with a, with that defense. And that would have been a great gesture to change the landscape of what an MVP is if, like, the entire defense won the MVP for the 49ers. Yeah, completely agreed. I thought that 49ers defense, especially in the first half, Mahomes just did not look comfortable at all throughout that first half of that football game. Jeff, we've seen the Chiefs do this now three times. I mean, 21 points in six minutes and 13 seconds to win the game 31 to 20. We saw them down 24 to nothing. We've seen them down 17 to seven. Like all of a sudden, they're the heart attack Chiefs. What do you make out of Kansas City going forward as Super Bowl champions? I don't think we're going to see a repeat. Uh, Vegas says they're the odds out of favorite to repeat. Um, what an exciting team to watch. Everybody's happy with those comebacks and, and making a game out of every single every single time they're on the TV. Um, how long does that last? I don't know. Uh, can Patrick Mahomes keep doing that? Maybe. It's, it sure seems like he's got the talent to do it. We're gonna find out though once these once his his record breaking contract comes through, how much talent can they keep around Patrick Mahomes? He is obviously you know he's he's great, but there's a lot of talent in Kansas City uh, on the offensive side of the ball. We'll see once he may, once he sets that record breaking deal if if they can keep that much talent around him, if he can keep with those comebacks, or <laughs> maybe they could adjust a little bit and put it on him in the first first. In second quarters, so they don't have to do that. But um, it's going to be interesting to see. I'm on. I'm of the belief that once that record-breaking contract comes through, they're going to start. They're going to start struggling. Uh, I think you're seeing it in Green Bay with Aaron Rodgers, um, specifically, and then most teams across the board who have that major contract at the quarterback position, they just don't have the space to keep the guys around them to to be successful. I wanted to follow up really quickly, if I could, with that. That the, the, Take it from an Eagles fan when they won the Super Bowl. And I watch all the celebrations. I watch everything that's going on. And it just it scares me a little bit for them because they're starting to get a little too comfortable already. And the Eagles were hanging up those uh, those Super Bowl pictures. and all. Malcolm Jenkins, Jenkins has talked about that, that he didn't like the fact they had the Super Bowl pictures and all that stuff in the hallway because – it just made them way too comfortable, and they were in that Super Bowl hangover. I, I have to think they they need to do what the Chiefs – not what the Chiefs did. I'm sorry, the Patriots. And I can assume that Bill Pelichick, the day after the Super Bowl, is already game planning for the for the next year. Like Jerry Rice was running, was running on the hill and running laps and running routes the day after the Super Bowl. The, they need to do that to get the two or three or four potential Super Bowl wins. They can't. They can't just think it's so easy now. Oh, we'll just come back because then what will happen is 34 nothing, 35 nothing, 42 nothing, and you're not going to be able to come back from that. We're already hearing reports that Patrick Mahomes still has one year left on this rookie contract, but we're hearing reports that they may actually extend him early. Jeff, why in the world would you do that? 
Well, it shows a belief in your guy. You want him to be a chief for the rest of his career, so you reward him for for doing uh, for doing what you had him had him there to do with it, which was win a Super Bowl. Um, you don't want to have him keep playing on a rookie contract uh, when he's doing the things that he's doing. Um, the other possibility is if they don't extend him early, he gets sour. Now you're talking about franchise tags, things like that. It's kind of a mess. And that's not the mess you want your quarterback to be in. Um, when you can pay him, um, you should pay him. And I, I believe, I believe it's after the third year, um, you're allowed to extend early in a contract. So, uh, I would imagine Patrick Mahomes' deal will get done. He will now, no longer be playing on this rookie contract. Stevie, what do you think? Would you extend him early or would you wait for a year? It's hard to say. I, I mean, I talked about it on the one episode about he could be the first player to get a percentage of the cap or if it was, if it was even legal to get um, some kind of like partial ownership or a small piece of the Chiefs. Uh, he could potentially also be the first quarterback to really get one of those Alex Rodriguez baseball type of length deals. If he wants to spend his career there, who's to say they wouldn't give him a seven or eight year deal or something where oh, maybe it's 31 Kansas City and who fucking was closest? <laughs> Big football guys. Is he to, what is he doing? Is he just talking about OVW again? Put himself <laughs> over? <laughs> Said he called the game 3120. He knew it right from the game. <laughs> well, you should put money on it. You'd be a very rich man and you wouldn't be in the snow right now. <laughs> what was my thought? Oh, I was going to say a seven, eight year deal. And then if they want to be able to, you know, kind of push that money on uh, near the middle or the back end of the deal, they could maybe get a couple more Super Bowls. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how this whole thing plays out for sure. Uh, let's flip it. Let's talk a little bit about San Francisco. Uh, Kyle Shanahan and some of the play calling that he had, especially there in the second half, getting an awful lot of flack from the uh, media talking heads on ESPN, FS1. I didn't necessarily have a whole lot of issue with it. Um, if anything, I would have went far more conservative and just try to run that clock out. But now we're at this point where we have to ask questions about Kyle Shanahan. You're up 20 to 10 with six and a half minutes left. He also lost that game 28-3 when he was the offensive coordinator of the Atlanta Falcons. Jeff, I have a feeling this is going to be that narrative going forward about Kyle Shanahan. Does he deserve it, or was this just, yeah, Mahomes happens? Well, he's he certainly has a monkey on his back now. Um, but from the 28-3, everybody can kind of let that go. Uh, we remember it, but we're not defining him by it. Um, now when he does 28-3 and then 20-10 to 10, uh, with six minutes left, and he blows that lead, um, I, I actually – would have done the opposite Jargo. I would have gone more aggressive, um, particularly against a team with Patrick Mahomes on and all that offensive weapons, all the offensive weapons they have on that side of the ball. Um, I would have been pushing the ball downfield. Uh, they had that horrendous third down play where they ran twice. Um, they were set back third and 11, third and 12. And Jimmy G throws a terrible pass to Emmanuel Sanders down the center of the field, stops the clock. They punt it away. Um, or excuse me, they go for it on fourth down. If you're going to go for it on fourth down, the goal, the entire goal of third down is to get five or six yards, get half the distance to make it more manageable when it comes to fourth down. Nope. He throws a bomb down the center of the field to Emmanuel Sanders. It's terrible. Uh, to me, that's when the game ended. And, um, 
I bought Kyle Shanahan last weekend. I'm in total sell mode. Uh, I don't think he can. I don't know if he just can't handle the big games. He just goes into a ball, and uh, you can't go conservative against Patrick Mahomes because if he gets the ball, he's going to score. There were two of those plays, Stevie. There was the big 44-yard pass to Sanders over the middle that it's just inexplicable how Jimmy G missed that throw. There was also another throw where he had Kittle wide open and just completely missed the read. Do you put this more on Jimmy Garoppolo or Kyle Shanahan? I mean, that's hard to say. Those are the two positions in a in a, in a football team that are going to get the most amount of credit and the most amount of blame. So I, what I have a bigger problem with, I don't know if you guys knew about this. It's not in the show notes. Little Wayne, who's a, who's a friend of uh, the Skip Bayless and Shannon, Shannon Sharp show, Undisputed, he had text Skip about the fact that San Francisco had paid him in full, his full fee, to go and play an after party after the Super Bowl. He was booked before that. But still, he went to go, you know, and did his concert. And in between songs, he would ask them, hey, are you okay with me just to keep going because you guys just lost the Super Bowl and everybody was having a great time. Yeah, go ahead. And like he he was very, I guess, off put by the fact that they were like, we'll be back there next year. And they were very like dismissive of not dismissive, but very confident that they were going back. I think maybe it's the the tone deafness of what I what I heard with that story or even the lack of self-awareness, like just like the Chiefs. Why aren't you like, hey, tomorrow we get right back to 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 working on this. Very interesting. No, I hadn't heard that. When you look at the NFC West going into next year, that's one of the toughest divisions in football too, Jeff. I mean, you've got the Rams out there. You've got Seattle out there who's not going anywhere anytime soon, especially if they re-sign Jadavion Clowney. And then there's San Francisco. And, oh, yeah, Arizona doesn't stink. This whole Kyler Murray thing seems like it's actually working out. I'm not even sure that San Francisco wins that division next year. No, they they shouldn't act like they're guaranteed to walk into the, the NFC Championship, but just by by suiting up week one. Um, the Seahawks beat them in the regular season um, once, and sh- arguably should have twice. Um, so I wouldn't I would not say that they are guaranteed for anything. Um, and like you said, the Rams the Rams have a good squad. They're they're what is now two years removed from a Super Bowl um, with pretty much the same pieces intact. Todd Gurley's not the same guy um, that he was obviously uh, two years ago. But um, and the the Kyler Murray experiment is going to be something to keep an eye on. They have they have some good guys on that team. So San Fran should absolutely be worried about what's coming up next year in 2020 and not act like they're just going to walk to the Super Bowl uh, with with no with no problems. Stevie, if I told you one of these teams is going to be back in the Super Bowl next year and the other one is not going to win their division, it clearly Kansas City's the one going back to the Super Bowl, right? Yeah, for, for next year. The year after might be a little bit tougher, depending upon who goes with the Chargers, who's their quarterback, uh, the Raiders, whatever they do in the draft and however they cultivate that. But yeah, next year, I'd have to say San Francisco is in the biggest uh, peril. Uh, to to really repeat their appearance, maybe even in the playoffs. Who knows? They might go go out in the wild card or the division round. You don't know where they're going to be seated in those top six. 
if they even make it to the top six. I mean, it would not surprise me to see San Francisco turn around, be a 7-9 and nine team, and you see both the Rams and the Seahawks squeeze their way into the playoffs. Let's, uh, let's shift. Let's talk a little business here. The CBA is coming due at the end of next season, which means that we're trying to get the news deal done as quickly as we possibly can. Yesterday, Union Executive Committee meets in Los Angeles. They met for eight hours to discuss this new CBA that's being proposed. It seems as though there's conflicting reports out there as to whether or not the March 18th deadline is going to be a hard deadline or a soft deadline. But guys, it does not sound like the players are in favor of this whatsoever, and they are pretty far apart. One of the biggest things that they're talking about doing is expanding the regular season from 16 to 17 games. This was first proposed during Super Bowl week in Miami, and the players damn near unanimously disapprove of this. Uh, What they would do is actually reduce the preseason games, reduce some training practice time uh, when it comes to training camp, reduce the amount of contact that teams can require players to have on the field during practice and training camp. And in my mind, that just leads to more injuries than anything. They also want to expand the playoffs from 12 to 14 teams, which I absolutely freaking hate. You're going to have a whole bunch of seven and nine teams getting into the playoffs all of a sudden. And then there's a bunch of more minor changes, like changes to the drug policy because all the NFL players want to smoke their weed. There's a little bit of more increase in revenue sharing. It goes up 1.5% from 47 to 48.5. It's worth $5 billion over the life of the 10-year deal. They also want to require some teams to spend more money, changes to the franchise tag. But this does not sound like it's going anywhere real fast. Stevie, what's your thoughts on this entire CBA negotiation that we find ourselves in the middle of now? Well, we'd have to unpack it. I think this is a good time to ask Jeff some questions, especially about the about the training camps and stuff, and the, the way things are happening now, and you're going to go in that direction even further. But before that, I think the big sticking point here and the thing that would make it happen, it's so weird because the XFL is allowing mar- marijuana use. They're not even going to – they don't even care about it. But then the NFL – is still stuck in whatever time they're stuck in with marijuana, but you can still take the Toradol, I believe it's called Toradol. You can take these opioids and you can take these shots, these but these uh, numbing injections and all these things that basically shut Marcellus Wiley's kidneys down as he drove to do an ESPN uh, show. So, but that's okay. So I think what they're doing is, and this is the most fucked up thing, the, the, the side of the, on the owners is saying to the Players Association, we'll give you your marijuana, but you know what? You're going to beat your body up for another game. <laughs> you're going to give us, you're going to give us, you're going to need that marijuana, basically. We'll give it to you. But, and that's what the players are saying. Well, you're going to give us that, but then you're going to kill our bodies even more for a little bit more money. $5 billion over the course of 10 years is not a lot of money in the NFL to give out to the players. I'll let you go, Jeff. And especially when what it seems like this is all about to me, Jeff, is they want to renegotiate these TV contracts and they want to be able to go to 17 games. They want to add in another playoff round. They want to add in a couple more playoff teams just so that the owners can actually get more money. And it looks to me like the players are going to get shafted even with a one and a half percent increase in the revenue sharing. Yeah, I think it's going to dilute the competition in football to to add uh, more games to the schedule. Um, having those guys 
not be as ready as what they were. Um, <laughs> every game means something. It feels like you got into a car crash, and this is just at the college level, like a head-on car crash the next day um, when you're between the ages of 17 and 21. Now these guys in the NFL are moving twice as fast, and their bodies are older. Um, adding a game is stupid. I'll take away two preseason games and keep the regular season the same. Um, and when you add playoff teams, uh, you're right, Jargo. You don't want to see seven and nine teams. The whole NFC East, everybody was complaining about it because almost you thought none of these teams deserve to be in. And then the Eagles make it, which I was actually pretty happy about. Carson Wentz just, I don't, he's the biggest pussy in, in the NFL. Sorry, sorry, Steve. Now that'll be one of the clips. I wanted falls, by the way. The statue's still there. <laughs> uh, and then you got McCown comes in, who's over forty. Carson Wentz bumped his head on the ground a little bit, and I know everybody's big about the CTE, but the hit honestly was not that vicious, um, and he goes out. So that's kind of a little side note. But, um, yeah, diluting the competition in the NFL is not the way to go just to try and generate more revenue from these um, from commercials and, and TV time. Um, I hope, and I, I'm probably wrong on this, I hope that the push for this extra game during the regular season – is just a way for the art of the deal where the owners say, well, this is what we want. Um, when in reality, they know they're not going to get it. So when they. And quicker, that's what I'm hoping it is. Um, judging by the greed of most of these owners, that's probably probably wrong. Um, but it would work out that way. I think the players are going to be more prone to sign this deal quicker once that that 17th game goes off the board because it's not going to go through no as it stands you need two-thirds of the players rep to bring it to a full player vote at that point only a majority is needed for the entire thing to pass and then they need two-thirds of the owners to also approve this which the way that everything i'm reading about this deal everything favors the owners stevie what what do you kind of make of this whole franchise tag thing? We're going to talk about some of these quarterbacks coming up here in just a little bit. We've talked quite a bit about the running backs and how they're just hammering them into the ground using that fifth-year franchise tag option. It seems like that's one of the things that the players want changed in this new CBA. Yeah, before before I speak on that, uh, also they initially wanted Jeff an 18-game season knowing that they'll get the 17. So, they they would have a twenty game season with with eighteen playoff teams if they could. They don't care about the 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 value of the game or the integrity of the game. It's just more money. This is where going into the franchise tag too, and especially with quarterbacks, it has very much a stock market feel to it. Like, why does a quarterback? Sure, they they should get a premium on whatever, much like a def- uh, a really good pass rusher on the defensive side. But why why is it just a Dak Prescott situation. If he's rated as the number 11th quarterback in the NFL, why is it just because it's his turn quote to come up in line for his deal that he gets the money? I never understood this. They're just like, it, I mean, the, the, the origin of the franchise tag from what I understand was because rookies coming out of college that were quarterbacks were getting hundred million dollar deals or whatever the number was. And they needed to have a rookie pay scale to 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 have them come in and not like completely kill the kill the teams right the sam bradford deal sam bradford um 
the kid in, in uh, Jamarcus Russell for the Raiders who stepped on the field about six times and he's going to be a millionaire the rest of his life because of it. Well, Stafford that's only had because him. he caused an earthquake every time he stepped on the field, so they had to limit it. 300-pound quarterback out there in the NFL. Guy needed the Stevie Richards fitness, needed it real bad. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the those deals with the quarterback, the franchise tag – a lot, a lot has to do with the resetting of the market. So you're getting guys just because the team deems that this is our guy, like a golf um, who got paid a ridiculous amount of money. I don't think he's worth all that money. And or Jimmy G, those guys are middle of the pack. A team attaches themselves to these quarterbacks, um, and then as it is, every time they're due for a contract, they potentially are going to reset the market. Now a guy like Patrick Mahomes, who deserves to be paid, uh, if you can call it that, deserves that kind of money, um, he should reset the market. But going forward, uh, look at the rookie the l- rookie class with Josh Allen. you got Baker Mayfield, Josh Allen, uh, Sam Darnold. Josh Rosen's not really in the conversation at this point. Patrick Mahomes is going to reset a market for those three guys. Um, I like Josh Allen. I'm a Bills fan. He's not on the Patrick Mahomes level, not yet. Um, Baker Mayfield took quite a few steps back this year. Um, and Sam Darnold just looks like a middling quarterback. I don't know if that's the team or, or it's his his uh, inefficiencies. But those the, the market will reset for those three guys, and they're going to get paid a ridiculous amount of money. Um, I don't like the idea that every time your quarterback comes up for a contract, it has to reset the market. Uh, a guy like Mahomes, I get it, but um, Dak Prescott is going to get—he's going to get that first contract. Um, him and Mahomes are going to try and wait each other out. I know Mahomes, like I said, is not due for a deal, but uh, I think they wait each other out and try to see, uh, okay, what's he going to get because I want more than that. March eighteenth, the deadline to approve. It, the owners have said that after March eighteenth. This conversation is getting shelved until the end of next season, which is going to leave them all of about a month and a half to get things figured out, or we will go into a lockout. Uh, We did have a lockout a few years ago, but it was largely irrelevant. We only lost one preseason game. It was the Hall of Fame game. But we saw an awful lot of injuries that season, OTAs, training camps. None of that was allowed. Excuse me. Um. (laughs) Jeff, when it comes to these guys that have been in the league, especially four, five, six years, how much of the OTAs and the training camps do they really need to get in shape for the NFL season? The expectation for a veteran is that you're you're kind of getting ready well before OTAs and, and camps, um, and and they need to do that. You kind of a body in motion stays in motion. So, and that rule is even more severe as you get older. They they don't have the turnaround that a 24, 25 year old, or or even 22 now you're seeing in the NFL. They can't get as ready as fast, um, so th- they have to keep it together. I think OTAs and those things are very important, uh, not only for their health, uh, but for coming together as a team, unity, bonding, chemistry, all that stuff is very important. Um, I don't, I don't think we're going to see a lockout. I hope not, but um, there's so much money at stake on both sides that a lockout should be the absolute last thing that either of these sides want. 
It's one of these things where we're talking about billions of dollars with a B and it's just money that people like us, we can't even wrap our heads around. And it's like, who cares if you make, you know, $26 billion or $27 billion? Well, you, you know, who cares? It's those 32 guys sitting in penthouse suites. They're the ones that actually care and try to tell them, you know, no, you can't have that extra billion dollars. Stevie, what do you think? Are we headed to a lockout or do you think this deal gets done? No, I think the deal will get done, and I, I think to a certain extent that the owners never really give up as much. That's why they ask for so much, too. They know that they'll knock a few things off, but the owners will definitely get more of what they want. I wanted to say something about the OTAs and the other things, even though I've never been out since high school. I've never been in football practice or anything like that. But I think an example of how the – you know, the, the the lack of what you said, team building, Jeff, the chemistry, camaraderie, and even just the speed and the, and the physicality of the game to get a feel when you take that first hit, you're like, okay, I'm, I'm okay and I'm ready to go, was the two weeks between the championship game and the Super Bowl where they didn't really practice. They kind of, and you saw a first half where they were literally trying to get used to everything once again. I agree with you, Stevie, and I think it's even more pronounced in college football. Um, it's better now that the playoffs are here, but there's still a pretty significant break between uh, the last playoff game and, and then the championship game. Um, it's not necessarily a good thing to get a bye week. Some guys who are hurt, actually hurt, uh, they can use it. But if you're just you know going through the growing pains of a season um, – that extra week is not necessarily a good thing off because that rust gets on there pretty quick. I'm going to give you an example of just from wrestling. What I know is that the first bump after taking time off always hurts. And I'd rather be banged up than come in and just, just like go from zero to a hundred. I'd rather be banged up throughout the year and know my body's conditioned for this type of thing day in and day out. I can't do it forever but the football players have to think the same way. And that whole thing with college, imagine college, like you just said, <clears throat> excuse me, you get a bye week, then the championship game, and you're one of those people in the top 10 getting drafted. Then you go for these workouts, these media things. What, there, who was it? Um, was it Baker or was it last year? Was it Kyler Murray who basically had, it felt like months from the time that you know he stopped playing college football until he had to step on the field for the Cardinals. It was that was like a half a year break. He didn't do the combine. He didn't do a pro day. He just basically went and worked out for a couple of individual teams and went and threw a football and shorts and a t-shirt. Yeah, your body's not ready to go full force uh, like that. And I think you're right, CV. Football's a lot like wrestling. You you pay you play into the pain. Um, you're not hurt, but you you kind of get used to okay my my thigh's been hurting for you know two weeks but I know how far I can push it or how far I can't when you when you, you take that those two weeks off and all of a sudden you feel great and you try to go out there um, your body's not used to that I, I don't think it's a good thing necessarily to have that week off. Lamar Jackson proved that two two weeks or two years in a row. Absolutely, he was not he wasn't ready for that game. Well, I mean, we even saw it in Mahomes in those first three and a half quarters. Yeah, those. Uh, it's a continuity thing. You want. It sounds nice to have the week off. So you don't have to play this weekend. You can. You can kind of recoup. But um, in the grand scheme of things, 
continuity is much bigger than that. Um, as long as you're not injured, uh, you'd rather keep the the wheels moving. Uh, Lamar Jackson looked terrible uh, in his in his game, and Mahomes he he definitely had some rust on him in the beginning of the game. Whether that was credited to the Niners' defense or on the rust of Mahomes, it was certainly there. Yep, absolutely. Let's uh, let's shift. Let's talk about the Jaguars. Yeah, I, I don't know why either, because that team absolutely stinks. <laughs> uh, the Jaguars, it seems as though they are actually going to play two home games in London come 2020 in an attempt to increase local revenue. Stevie, it wasn't but more than a couple of weeks ago, we were talking about Sean Khan, and he was searching to get a new stadium built down there in Jacksonville, and now they're also spearheading a proposed $700 million entertainment district around the stadium to uh, bring up tourism and whatnot there in Jacksonville. Last year, the London game was 11% of the Jaguars' total revenue for the season. So now we need to make up more revenue. We're just going to go play in London twice. I absolutely hate this. I hate the entire idea of it. Stevie, what's kind of your thoughts on the London Jaguars? When I saw this... I don't know why, but it instantly connected me to that that thing that was put out by the Players Association to tell free agents to avoid Jacksonville because of the Coughlin stuff. Yep. This is another thing. Who would want to go play in Jacksonville when they have to spend two weeks a year in London and not knowing if it's not going to be three or four? Or now, congratulations, now it's the home team, London Jaguars. Jeff, what do you think of the London Jaguars? So as somebody who dedicates an entire day Sunday to watching football, I love the London games because they start at 9, 930. Um, I would not love it if the Bills were playing in London at all. Once, I mean, they had the thing in Toronto, which was bad enough um, a few years back. The going to London is terrible if it's your team. If you're just a guy who likes watching football, it's a great thing because you got football all day long. Um, but those numbers, the 11% of the Jaguars' total revenue can't be ignored. Um, and we know as the owners, they're going to go where the money is. So um, between that and you know the NFLPA coming out and saying don't sign with the Jaguars, they're they're in a hot they're in some hot water. They're in a, they're in a bit of trouble. So. Um, Again, as a, as a football fan, I like the London game. Uh, if it was my team, I would I would hate it. I thought it was interesting that a couple of years ago, if you look at the lowest rated teams, the teams that made the least amount of money in the NFL, it was the St. Louis Rams, the San Diego Chargers, the Oakland Raiders, and the Jacksonville Jaguars. Well, now St. Louis no longer has a team. San Diego no longer has a team. Oakland no longer has a team. All those teams have relocated and are getting brand new stadiums. And that's what Shad Khan is looking at. Like, hey, we have to build a new stadium if we're going to compete with all these other teams. Otherwise, we, we just have to look at going to London more often. I mean, Stevie, when you look at just the dollars and cents of it, it makes complete sense. You, you almost make it sound like everybody should start a GoFundMe for this guy. Let me tell you, he's only in that London stadium because he owns the stadium. He owns the stadium, right, Jeff? He owns the team. Yeah, so I don't know. I mean, he did pretty much owns the stadium. Full of so, first class. Yeah. So, so the thing with all that stuff that we're talking about, and I was going to make another point, I've forgotten. Oh, geez. 
just about Jacksonville itself and and what we're looking at here on the call. Oh, what I was going to say was the, the people over in Europe, especially when they go over to London for the NFL, they're not coming out because it's an NFL game. They're not coming out because they're a fan of American football. It's an American sporting event. It's a novelty. So they could, with all the access that these London fans have to, to European football and other things they do, two games, they might sell out the first time, but who knows if that's a consistent thing. If they move over there full time, they could be like, well, now it's not special anymore, and then they're going to become the Jacksonville Jaguars that they are now with like 2,000 season ticket holders. <laughs> yeah, I mean, at, just listening to some of the players when they were going over for the one London game, they they talked about it like it was the Super Bowl because it was such an event uh, for those people over there. You might be absolutely right, Stevie, to, to put more games than one over there might dilute that kind of experience. And now it's just kind of, uh, you know, an everyday thing. Certainly if they were to relocate there permanently, um, I don't think they would see that 11% of total, total revenue coming like the, like they did for the one game. Yeah, I don't think that they can rely on London accounting for 25% of their total revenue, especially when it sounds like they're actually, if they do this, it's going to be back-to-back weeks. Like They're not going to go once at the beginning of the season, once at the end of the season. It's going to be back-to-back weeks. I, yeah, I don't think that would. Be, I don't think it'll work. Uh, we'll see, and maybe the first year it does. Maybe both games sell out. Um, but as it becomes more commonplace, I don't. I don't just don't think the the fan base is is ravenous enough over in England um, to really truly pay attention to football as an event. Sure, but when it comes down to playing multiple games there, now you have to transition to becoming an actual fan of the team and, and fan of the game. Um, I don't think you're going to see that kind of support. Uh, coming from anybody in, in England. Not not that many people, anyway. The novelty only goes so far, and the UK fans will only support the product if it's good. Stevie, how many trips did you make over to the UK while you were working with the WWE? Oh, a bunch, really, to know that every every uh, camera that we have now, traffic cam, stoplight cam, and everything, they're way ahead of us on that. It was back uh, 10, 20 years ago they had that kind of stuff. Yeah, traveling over there is great, but that's the thing. Like when you're in an impact sport, and, and yes, football players might have it a little bit easier because chartered flights, they get taken care of, they don't wrestle every day. But still, the travel takes something out of you, especially on a on, in a sport where your spine is con, con, consistently every single play, especially for a lineman, being compressed. Your head is being hit. You're you're and all these different things. I mean. They have to go over pretty much right after the previous game, if I'm not mistaken, in order to get there, practice, recover. And then you got to come back and you got to make sure, too. I don't know if they'd ever have done it. I hope not. What if they come back from a Sunday London game and they have to play a Thursday night game now? Right. It seems like typically what they do is they try to schedule the team that's going over to London when they come back. That's typically their bye week. Yeah, that, if they were to turn, you might have a full-fledged uh, uprising on your hands. If the schedule comes out, they have a London game and to come back to play a Thursday game. Uh, Thursday game uh, already, just out of the gate, is less competitive. The players hate it. Um, that was something that the owners wanted. Um, 
and the money is there for it. The, the ratings for Thursday night games are, are through the roof, um, and they're make, definitely making money on them. Uh, but to go from London Sunday to playing on Thursday night, that would be... <laughs> Dude, if Vince owned the NFL, he'd have him play him a Monday night game after yeah, London. Yeah. <laughs> and they haven't played a Monday night game in like in San Diego or San Francisco from London. Yeah. And basically a guaranteed loss. If you look at the numbers just from flying across the country for an away game, um, I think it's it, it's in the ballpark a 70% chance to lose. Now, if you want to go from London to the West Coast of the United States, I would feel like you're probably not going to – you have 0% chance of winning. Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. Yeah, I, I saw this hilarious meme the other day where it showed, like, the field of the Super Bowl, and it also showed, like, a WrestleMania stadium, and it was like, this will never be this, saying, like, the Super Bowl will never be as good as WrestleMania. And it's like, are you freaking crazy? 99.9 million people tuned in to watch the Super Bowl. Vince McMahon fucking wishes. (laughs) No, that's all. No, those other, well, when they draw 2 million, the other 97.9 million are all DVR and uh, and phones, iPhones. Didn't you know? Clearly. (laughs) Streaming services. Yep, they're all on Whatever other marketing bullshit they can come up with. Absolutely ridiculous. Dude, did you hear that like on a wrestling note? Did you guys hear that the newest excuse this week was that Raw didn't draw ratings because of get this, the really hot ratings draw of the Iowa caucus. Get the <laughs> fuck that out drew of here. rest the wrestling. If you ever seen a wrestling fan, this drew that did the wrestling fans really concerned about the political future of this country. So they're yeah. They're, they're really going to, man, fuck, fuck this, uh, this Seth Rollins guy. I got to see what Joe Biden's up to. <laughs> oh, but the, the point I was trying to make when I asked you about the UK tours, when you were going over there, I assume every building was sold out because the product was incredibly hot. We see them going over there now. And Hameen is just raking in the money from the Tarp Emporium over there in the UK because the product is crap. If the Jaguars go over there and they start playing over there regularly and the product is crap, the UK fans just aren't going to go. Here's the here's here's the reason why most times that that we would do international tours or international TVs is because domestic uh, business was down. That's why a lot of times WWE went over there. And dare I say that's what the cons are looking at. They don't fill up the Jacksonville Stadium, and they don't look like they have a product that'll fill it up anytime soon. So we need to do more international tours to make up for that. That's you know just a financial thing. It's not a, it's definitely not even a band aid on a broken arm. It's it's something that you may get squeezed one game, but not for the next three years. You're not going to get two games out of these people. Yep, I completely agree. Uh, let's talk some quarterback stuff. Uh, I'm going to kind of, as we, we're going through this offseason, I'm going to start looking position by position. I figured the best place to start would be with the quarterback class of 2020. These are some of the names that are going to be free agents effective on March 18th. Tom Brady, Drew Brees, Phillip Rivers, Marcus Mariota, Teddy Bridgewater, and Case Keenum. I'm going to throw him into that group because, you know, Keenum got paid a pretty penny by the Washington Redskins. Um, Guys, I don't know how you want to approach this. I I think Tom Brady is going to go back to New England, but I keep hearing these reports that the Las Vegas Raiders really want Tom Brady. Jeff, what do you think? Brady in Vegas, could you see him wearing silver and black? 
You know, I would like it just for the spectacle and just because I hate Tom Brady. I, I don't want him in the AFC East anymore. Um, Understandable. But that's all that, that's all it would be is a spectacle uh, to draw names uh, to to the Las Vegas Raiders. Um, I don't foresee him leaving. I mean, I'd love it. I, I don't foresee him leaving the New England Patriots. I could see him retiring because uh, I don't think he, he's got it anymore. He'll be 44, which is just, you know, it's how he's played this well for so long is unbelievable to begin with. Um but I don't foresee him picking up and moving uh, his career anywhere but New England. Stevie, I saw the Hulu commercial. He says he's coming back. What do you think? Is Brady going to be a Patriot next year? I don't see any other choice because a lot of people think, I, I once again, he kind of put an analogy in the wrestling. A lot of people think that the players or the wrestlers or any kind of entertainers just show up at the building and there's no in-between thing. They don't do anything during the week. They don't have to deal with family life or where their family wants to be, pulling kids from school, selling houses, doing all. Now, obviously, you have enough money. It makes it a little easier because you probably have people to do most of that stuff for you. But, you know, a move to the, you know what they do on the on these talking head shows? They make his wife sound like a complete cunt. Like <laughs> she would never Never live in that town. You know Indianapolis. I mean? like, and I can see why Jeff hates the Brady hates Brady because they talk about, well, that's high society. They they wouldn't be seen dead in like, you know, I they, you know, in like my apartment complex here in Atlanta. I mean, but but that's that's the way they sound. Like they want to move somewhere because to Giselle, nobody has a camera anywhere but LA. You know what I mean? That can take a picture of her, for God's sakes. <laughs> but that's that's what I mean. That I don't see him going anywhere else because of all that stuff surrounding him. Plus, he hasn't, Jeff, he hasn't done OTAs or or like the beginning of training camp in quite some time to learn a new system and all that stuff, he'd have to go in there essentially maybe even with the rookies to kind of get a feel for everything. Yeah. He would have to start from scratch, um, to try and build, you know, rapport with, with all his guys. Um, and I think what's kind of hidden in, in all of it, um, is this eternal struggle between him, him, Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. Um, Everybody says, you know, half the crowd says Tom Brady would have done it no matter what. Half the crowd says the only reason Tom Brady did it was because of Bill Belichick. If Brady goes somewhere else, you're opening the conversation. I understand it'll be at 44 years old, but if he doesn't come out and perform, that tarnishes his legacy. Everybody will say the only reason Tom Brady has six Super Bowls and all the success and the greatest of all time was actually because of Bill Belichick. Um I don't think Tom Brady could allow that, which would be which would mean he's going nowhere but New England. Um, and you're right, Stevie, to go back and actually have to do some work prior to the season, um, Tom Brady's not going to want to start from scratch. Uh, he and it, I don't think his body could handle it. It would be like an additional season to go back and actually have to participate fully in OTAs and mini camps and all that stuff. Yeah. Where was this? By the way, where was this whole thing? Did the, the, the only quarterback I ever known in, in my time of watching football that didn't need a coach to guide them. Like we saw what Patrick Holmes did. He couldn't have done it without Andy Reid and, and the offensive coordinator. You know, Josh McDaniels talks every day with Tom Brady. So there is a, you have to be coach. You have to know the scheme. You have to do that. The only quarterback I knew that was just like, 
you never knew the name of the offensive coordinator was was Peyton Manning. That was it. Yeah. yeah, he's my greatest of all time. I'm I'm a huge Peyton fan. Um, and that's because whether it be head coach or offensive coordinator, they it was not a vital position when it came to the Indianapolis Colts um, or then the Denver Broncos. Peyton Manning ran the system. He ran his players. Um, there's a there's a story out there that um, a wide receiver named Austin Colley, uh, this is a few years back, tried to one-hand catch a ball in the end zone, and Peyton Manning looked at him and just pointed to the sideline. So he runs off. Coach looks at him says, what are you doing? You're in this play. <laughs> he goes to run back out. Peyton says, get off the fucking field. Um, and they ran somebody else in. They score a touchdown. He comes back. Peyton Manning sits on the bench and says, don't you ever try to catch the ball with one hand when I'm throwing you the ball. So you, I, Peyton Manning's the only guy that can do it. He's the only one that has no coach that can tell him what to do. Um, Brady definitely is a product of Bill Belichick and Josh McDaniels. For the most part, McDaniels was gone for a couple seasons, but um, he's had those guys helping him all along the way. Um, and I just don't, I don't think he wants to get rid of that kind of crutch. He doesn't want to go start somewhere where he knows nobody and he's got nobody. So he'll be a Patriot, of course. Let's talk about two other names that could either go somewhere, go back to where they were, or possibly just walk away. I'm talking about Drew Brees and Phillip Rivers. Phillip Rivers especially has relocated himself and his 812 kids from San Diego to Florida. It seems as though he is completely done with the Los Angeles Chargers. Stevie, do you think anybody is going to reach out to Phillip Rivers? Does anybody even want Phillip Rivers at this point? Or is it just, you know, hey, man, you had a potentially Hall of Fame career? Enjoy retirement. That might be the smartest thing, but I could see if somebody drafted, I mean, it has to be the Buccaneers, but what they do with Jameis Winston, I was just stopping myself because in theory, no matter if you're a guy that could live anywhere, which he wants to live where he wants to live now, he didn't even move to LA. He stayed in San Diego and drove back and forth in a converted van. Um, it would have to be a one-year deal and then they draft a quarterback in order to have him mentor the quarterback, but start for a year until the quarterback's ready. But you got Jameis Winston, the 30-30 guy. What do you, I, I'd, I'd wait to see what happens to him because if they just said cut bait with him, try to draft a quarterback, and then Phillip Rivers. That would be the only way I could see that fitting. Jameis Winston, my favorite player in the NFL. He's must-see, whether it's really, really good or really, really bad. You have to see it. Uh, let's talk about Drew Brees, Jeff. What do you think? D does Brees make his return to New Orleans? Does Brees move on from New Orleans? Which I don't think anybody wants to see at this point. The guy is literally a freaking saint. Or is it time for Brees to just hang up the cleats? I don't think it's time for Drew to hang it up. I of of the aging quarterbacks, um, being Brady, Rivers, Eli Manning, Drew Brees, um, Drew Brees was a cut above everybody this year. Um, he performed the way you expect Drew Brees to perform. Um, he will retire a saint. I don't think he retires this year. Um, he wants to walk off into the sunset like Peyton Manning did, win a Super Bowl, which his team is obviously capable of. Um and I think they in the, they have a two-year window. I think Drew Brees' window is the same. I think it's a two-year window. He can still play at a high level. Um, they still have a, a super amount of talent down there. So 
I would expect Drew Brees to be back in New Orleans and uh, have another amazing season next year. If the referees had just quit screwing the Saints, right, Stevie? <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, a more interesting thing is with Taysom Hill and Teddy Bridgewater. That's that, you know, Drew Brees can do what he's going to do, but those two guys, who do you, who do you pick out of those two guys? Do I, Bridgewater went five and zero when Brees was hurt with a thumb. Taysom Hill might have gotten him further in the playoffs. They just kept him on the damn field. Even Breeze said he was the best player in that game against the Vikings. So that's an interesting thing. I, I think that, like the Chiefs, I wish uh, that these guys would hopefully try to figure out a way that the whole team, as much of it, can stay together instead of thinking about their deals. Drew Brees will not go to another team. He will stay or retire. The last three guys, Marcus Mariota and then two former Vikings quarterbacks, Teddy Bridgewater as well as Case Keenum. Uh, Teddy H2O, I think he is going to get a absolute starting job somewhere in the NFL this year unless he would return to New Orleans. I do think that is a possibility. Uh, Keenum and Mariota, I think, are very, very interesting. Does anybody pick them up to be a starter or are they going to be that perennial backup quarterback going forward? Jeff, what do you think? I think Teddy Bridgewater will be gone from New Orleans. Um, Sean Payton loves Taysom Hill. Um, and while Drew Brees is still there, they'll still have the two-quarterback system. Bridgewater just kind of took up space um, as far as uh, when he wasn't when Drew Brees wasn't hurt. And I think Taysom Hill now would step into that role rather than Teddy Bridgewater if, if the season were to still be going on today. Um Mariota is has been exposed. Uh, the ride, the job that Ryan Tannehill did when he came in, um, kind of hurt Mariota. I, I not not kind of it really hurt Mariota. Um, it would have to be an in, injured quarterback situation um, where Mariota and and I think Case Keenum, in order to get a starting job, uh, um, it would have to be an injury situation. Denver's interesting, maybe for Mariota. Um, Denver already tried the Case Keenum experiment. Um, it was, I think Mariota might have a shot in Denver to, to compete for the starting job, but um, for the most Mariota, even though he wants to be a starter, he's just not good enough to do it. Stevie, where do you think Teddy Two Gloves is playing next year? This is the interesting thing because I've heard a lot of things about him going to uh, the Patriots. And once again, this all depends on what Brady decides to do, which, like we said, the smart idea would be the state. But signing Teddy Bridgewater under a deal to try to back him up for a year or two to be the guy after Tom Brady leaves would be smart. The Mariota thing is just kind of like, I don't know why John Elway should just stop trying to to get quarterbacks just think with drew lock for now and and in the case keenum thing jeff mystifies me why he was working in the system for minnesota and they had to get really really cocky thinking that he was the one piece that kept them from getting the super bowl they if they had just kept him and kept him on a team-friendly deal i think they would have gotten even i think they would have been a perennial the team to get there if they tried to replace another piece in, in, in the uh, system. Yeah. I don't think Kirk cousins is the game breaker um, that they were hoping him to be after Keenum. Um, Keenum reminds me a lot of Ryan Fitzpatrick. He's, he's a guy who's got a lot of grit. He's going to go out. He's going to sling the ball. Um, 
he, he'll make his fair share of mistakes, but he could also win you a game as well. Um, and he's going to be on a team friendly deal. He's never going, going to break the bank. Um, Kirk cousins had, it was three years and, uh, 98, 96 million and it was fully guaranteed. So that is a break the bank contract. And he, He's had his moments where he's he's looked like this guy could be the one, um, and then he's had some absolute duds. Could that be the coaching? Um, it very well could be. Zimmer likes to run the ball. He loves Dalvin Cook, uh, even though he's got Stephon Diggs and Adam Thielen, which arguably is the best wide receiver tandem, and they got Irv Smith and Kyle Rudolph at tight end positions. So, I mean – Keenum could have done the same thing that Kirk Cousins is doing on a much better deal. I think you're absolutely right, Stevie. I'd rather have Keenum than Cousins any day of the week. Uh, Let's talk some franchise tag guys. February 25th is the first day that teams can designate franchise tags for quarterbacks. That tag this year is going to be $26.9 million. And the first one that kind of jumps off the page is Dak Prescott. Is Dak going to get a full renewal, a full-on extension of his contract? Or is Dak going to get franchise tagged at 26.9 and see how he works inside of the McCarthy system? Stevie, over the course of the past week, Dak Prescott has made it pretty clear he's not coming to OTAs. He's not coming to training camp. He's not going to be anywhere near Dallas until you give me my goddamn contract. This here is... um and it's an opportunity as, as, as crass as a Krauss as it sounds, or, you know, as, as insensitive as it sounds, this is a chance to really set the quarterback market to kind of in a truer form because he hasn't beat a team. That's been a winning team in 2019. He hasn't, he hasn't made mistakes, but a lot of his stats are almost garbage time stats. So when you look at that and, and I'll ask you, Jeff, and then Mike, whoever knows, now, there's two different franchise tags. There's a re- unrestricted franchise tag, and there's a restricted one, which is near $33, 34000000 million for the restricted one. If he's unrestricted, does that mean that somebody can come pick him up from the Cowboys? Uh, it has to do with the, I think it was non-exclusive and transition, if I'm not mistaken. Um, if he gets tagged, the exclusive franchise tag, that's it. He's with the Cowboys, um, and he has until a certain date to sign it um, to where he's eligible to play during the season. Um, and he has all the way up until the, I think, like the Tuesday before week 10, if I'm not mistaken, to sign it and still be active for the season. Um if he gets tagged, it will be it won't be a transition tag where another team can match an offer, provide a draft pick in order to get him. It will be an exclusive tag where it's only the Cowboys getting him. They're paying them the twenty six million for the year. But I, I don't foresee him playing. We've seen it too often and actually work with this holding out. I, I would think that uh, Dak is going to hold out. But Jerry has, uh, as much as everybody hates him, he's very good about if he likes somebody, he, he keeps them around and he pays them. So um, he's in a different situation than Zeke Elliott uh, just because of the quarterback versus running back position. I would anticipate seeing Dak – um, reset the market before Patrick Mahomes, and then uh, obviously Mahomes will reset it after that. But um, 
I would certainly expect to see Dak extended prior to uh, you know the start of mini camps and OTAs. Let me follow up a question with that though. The Mahomes deal is going to be possibly a team breaker, and they have excellent. They have much better players than the Cowboys. That offensive line's getting older, and that's been overpaid. You've overpaid on the defense, which is getting older. If he breaks the bank, they they could be drafted in the top five within a couple of years. Yeah, I don't see Dallas turning it around anytime soon. You're right. Tyron Smith, who's the left tackle there, he he's done. The back his back just has finally had enough. Um he was as good as it got when he when he was in his prime, but he he's all wrapped up. Demarcus Lawrence got paid this year and did absolutely nothing for them. Um their D, Jalen Smith has been exposed with he's he's gonna have a contract coming up. Van Der Esch is is Usually his back or his neck, I think it is, um, is getting worse. They knew that drafting him out of college. Uh, Sean Lee's getting older. So the problem with uh, Dak is they missed the playoffs in his contract year. Yes, statistically, uh, when you look at it in a vacuum setting, it looks like he had a great year. But if you're not winning games and going to the playoffs, are you worth any money that they're paying you? Um, That'll be the discussion that that Jerry Jones is going to have to have with them um, because they haven't been very successful with, with Dak Prescott leading everything. I, the 13 and three year, I think that was Zeke Elliott. I think Zeke deserved rookie of the year uh, over Dak. And then um, I don't think Dak is as good as what everybody's talking about to be. And he talks about himself. Like he's like, he's the number one guy. Conspiracy theory time. You ready for this? Here's what I think happened. They knew that it was, came time to play to pay them. They tried to put them on the team-friendly deal. They offered them what they offered them. They knew they were going to fire Jason Garrett as a lame duck coach the entire year. They looked or talked to each other and said, listen, we know he's not going to take any of our deals this year. He's going to try to reset the market. We know we're going to franchise tag him. They, they knew this all throughout the year. Because they knew they were going to fire Jason Garrett, they bring him whatever coach. They say we can veil it under the disguise of – we just need to see if they get along. So they said they don't look like the bad guys doing it. It actually kind of makes, when I thought about it, I was like, it makes perfect sense. And it's not like being a dick about it. You really do want to see it, but you buy yourself that year to see if he can really adjust and play well. Yep, absolutely. I completely agree. And I just, I don't know how it's going to work. I mean, for as much credit as Mike McCarthy gets, let's remember he had Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers. And Dak Prescott is not either one of those guys. Um, Also eligible for the franchise tag, or I should say likely for the franchise tag, Mr. 3030 himself, Jameis Winston, even though it doesn't seem as though Arians wants him back in Tampa Bay in any way, shape, or form. But you know, Stevie, they got to sell tickets. And Jameis Winston is must-see. You have to watch Jameis Winston play because every game he could easily go off for 450 yards and six touchdowns and eight interceptions. I would have cut him after that embarrassing eat the W footage. I would have just quit the business right there. That was one of the worst videos of all time. (laughs) Look at what Ryan Fitzpatrick is doing. Down there, I mean, he can be Fitz tragic as well. I don't know why no one's ever said that Fitz magic and Fitz tragic. That's great. But what do you, you talk about? He can he can draw some fans too. He can sell some tickets. Um, I think it's very interesting whatever they do with the backup situation. And Bruce Arians did not. He wouldn't even from what I remember from the press conference, 
he deflected it to like other positions on the team, other people. And he never specifically even came out and mentioned Jameis by name. Yeah. We, we, we can win with another quarterback. That, that's pretty much all he said. Jeff, what do you think? If Winston does not return to Tampa Bay, who's going to give Jameis Winston a job? Because I need Jameis Winston in the league as a starting quarterback in the NFL. Well, um, I actually, Stevie, I think you're right with the Phillip Rivers thing. Okay, number one, I don't think Jameis is going to be a Buccaneer next year. I think you're going to see Kareem Hunt sign with Tampa Bay. Um and then Philip Rivers signs. They have they have as much cap space as they need. Uh, have Philip Rivers sign possibly a two year deal. Go out get their guy in the draft this year. Have him under study with Philip Rivers. Philip Rivers retires. This kid takes over, and they're off to the races. Um, as far as people who want Jameis Winston, I think that's a pretty short list. Um, I mean, he threw thirty touchdowns this year. Yeah, but he was throwing the ball 50 times a game. And he's and think about the two guys he had, Mike Evans and uh, Godwin, Chris Godwin. I mean, those guys are phenomenal receivers. So um, I think anybody could go out there. Like you said, Fitzmagic could go out and throw, throw the same thing that Jameis was doing to those guys. Um, 30 picks is really, really bad. And I don't foresee any team jumping up and saying, I want that guy to come in and compete for, for a starting spot, you know, and you mix that in with all of his character issues. Uh, I don't, I don't see Jameis, uh, the market being too hot for for him. He goes somewhere as a backup um, and he's going to be in a spot where he's praying for an injury. And then he goes in and blows them away, uh, which he could do. uh, But uh (laughs) <laughs> I'm a different jargo. I'm not a huge fan of, of Jameis Winston. So um, if he goes out of the league, I think it's well-deserved. I've hated him since he was in Florida State stealing crab legs. And then the W video, I can never come back from that. It was the dumbest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> and uh, uh, I would actually be happier and to laugh at him if he never came back to the NFL. I just don't see how a guy who throws for 5,109 yards, 33 touchdowns, isn't a starting quarterback in the league next year. I mean, I understand he threw 30 interceptions, but man, like Cincinnati couldn't use Jameis Winston for God's sake. Well, depending on what they do with the Joe Burrow, I mean, I think Joe Burrow is actually a better quarterback than Jameis, Jameis Winston right now, having never played a down in the NFL. So, um, and he's certainly more careful with the ball and uh, he's, he's more careful off the field. That's for sure. So I, I don't, I just don't foresee, you know, if Burrow, when Burrow comes out where he goes, which most likely is Cincinnati, um, barring a big trade, uh, yeah, he's going to start right away. He's going to start week one. <clears throat> so any position or potential for Jameis to go to the same team and start, I don't see it. I know it's crazy. 5,000 yards, which is an insane benchmark uh, as, a, as an NFL quarterback and 30 <laughs> touchdowns, you would think that's a slam dunk. Everybody wants him. But 30 picks, they don't win too many games and all the character issues. Antonio Brown's not doing anybody any favors who uh, has a character issue. So because you can see how it could translate to every single person. Well, we we can't afford an Antonio Brown situation. So Jameis, Jameis kind of has that aura about him. I just don't I don't see him starting. Like I said, and I'm rooting for him to just be gone. Well, here's another thing, though. Here's another thing. You can equate those stats along with Dak Prescott. So you should you break the bank with Jameis Winston? 
Right. I agree. You know, every once in a while in the world of pro wrestling, we see a dream match. Like this weekend, we're going to see John Moxley versus Minoru Suzuki. And it's like, oh, my God, this is the dream match I never knew I wanted. You just laid it out there. I need Antonio Brown and Jameis Winston on the same team. It's it's the the dream team I never knew I wanted until this very moment. Must see television. Well, it's it's going to be in Jacksonville, <laughs> in London, in London. <laughs> they, I don't think they can. I don't think they can get passports either one of them. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because it's true. Uh, let, <laughs> let's talk about the Titans a little bit because the Titans find themselves in a very very interesting position. You could franchise tag Ryan Tannehill for $26.9 million, or you can franchise tag Derrick Henry for $10.4 million, but you only get to do one. And I don't know which one you do. Stevie, which one do you do with the franchise tag? Do do you just bite the bullet and sign Derrick Henry to his big deal and keep him and Tannehill, or do you tag Derrick Henry, knowing full damn well it's going to piss him off and just run the wheels off him next year, and it doesn't even matter who your quarterback is. Well, uh, there might be an option three to that, and uh, there's a rumor going around that Tom Brady's wife, Giselle, you know, the the lovely lady we talked about earlier that everybody speaks highly of, she was in Nashville uh, looking at schools for, for the kids. That's a rumor that was going around Super Bowl week from supposedly high-level sources. So, Maybe you can do a little of both. Maybe you do give Derrick Henry his deal or a little bit more of a team-friendly deal saying we're getting Tom Brady to come in. Or you franchise tag him and saying we have Tom Brady on a one-year deal and you'll get your big money next year when we figure out if we're going to draft a quarterback or do whatever. I don't think tagging Ryan Tannehill will, will be the answer another year of him. It's just a it's a hard sell. I mean, he, he did great, but he could have did a little bit more in certain situations because when they relied on Derrick Henry to run the ball or they gave up on Derrick Henry to run the ball, I should say, in the Chiefs game, that's what lost them the game. If Tannehill is not in Tennessee next year, Jeff, does Tannehill get a starting job somewhere in the league after his performance in Tennessee this year? Yes, and I think it would be in Denver. I think that would be the transition. Um, if Tannehill leaves the Titans, which I don't think he will, um, I would foresee it going to the Broncos. The Broncos have the fifth most cap space. Um, they can to overspend on a quarterback, not a crazy amount, but uh, a little bit overspending on a quarterback who hasn't really necessarily proved it. Um but I think the Titans are going to keep uh, that team intact. Um, Tannehill is going to sign a team-friendly deal. He knows he's he's not the top echelon, but he's going to get paid because they they won two game playoff games um, against major competition. Um, but he also understands that that was a lot of Derrick Henry. So I would expect Henry to get paid. Um, he. The unfortunate part is uh, Todd Gurley contracts. And Todd Gurley, they're talking about getting rid of him already. He's got arthritis in his knee. He's two years into a major deal um, that's going to have to be reworked. Um, Derrick Henry, probably a little bit more durable, probably the most durable running back in the NFL. For as big as he is, he doesn't take huge shots. So I would expect to see him get a lucrative deal. And I would expect to see Tannehill get a middle-of-the-road deal. And – and and them compete next year 
for a whole season with those two guys rather than half the season Mariota, half the season Tannehill. So um, I don't think we're going to see anything too exciting out of the Titans. I think they re-signed both their guys. Um, but if, if he did leave, I would say the Broncos would be a good fit. I like that fit a lot, and especially there in the AFC South. I mean, if you can bring them both back, absolutely do it because really the only team that you've got to compete with right now is Houston, and I, I just I don't buy that Houston team. I love Deshaun Watson, but the rest of that team I, I find very, very suspect. Uh, Stevie, we, we've talked a lot about the quarterback draft that's going to be coming up in 2020. The scouting combine kicks off on the 24th. I listed out the top 10 for you. Um, I probably could have went at least 15, if not 20 deep when it comes to this quarterback class. And I feel like this is going to absolutely affect this market. And I, I, I don't think a lot of these quarterbacks are going to get signed immediately when free agency kicks off there in the middle of March. I, I think a lot of teams are going to kind of wait and see what the draft position is going to look like and what the combine is going to look like. Do you watch much college football too, Stevie? A little bit here and there, but I, re- I really want to start getting into it. It just it, it was only because of how it's connected to the NFL. It, be honest with you, I, I really started becoming a real football fan or what I would be a more involved football fan when I started playing uh, NFL 2K five years ago on the original Xbox <laughs> and Madden. I mean, that's the way it usually works now with kids. They play the game and they become fans of the game. I was a big fan of NCAA football uh, until they took it away. So I need to get back into that. Uh, it's very, very interesting, but I, I also don't want to be predisposed when a um, like the XFL we're going to talk about. I don't want to be predisposed to any opinions about these guys until I see them in the NFL environment. Clearly, the biggest name coming out of college this year is going to be Joe Burrow, the quarterback from LSU, won the national championship this year, kind of came out of nowhere, set the world on fire, and earned himself that number one draft pick spot. But, Jeff, he's not the only one. There's also Tua. There's Jake Fromm down at Georgia. Justin Herbert out at Oregon, who I think is actually the best prospect of the bunch. Jalen Hurts at Oklahoma. Shea Patterson from Michigan. Steven Montez at Colorado. Jacob Eason at Washington, who I like a lot. Nate Stanley at Iowa, who absolutely sucks. I don't care what anybody tries to tell me looking at his freaking stats. And Jordan Love at Utah State, who I think is going to be a diamond in the rough. Do you get a chance to watch much college football? Are there any of these guys that really stand out to you? Yeah, I do watch. uh, I don't really dive into uh, the lower teams. I do anything top 25 I try to keep an eye on. Um, And that is because of the transition to the NFL. Um, I, I would say Joe Burrow is the best college prospect I think that I've ever seen come out. Um. In my, I'm 33, so started paying attention in the last 20 years really heavily, um, and then actually knowing about football in the last 10 to 12. Um, Andrew Luck was super polished, great quarterback. Um, he transitioned to the NFL very nicely. Um, I think Joe Burrow actually is beyond Andrew Luck. So um, Cincinnati, everything is on the wall for them to get him. There would. Everybody, you would have to trade away three years of first-round draft picks and a couple years of two-round draft picks, uh, second-round draft picks in order to get him. Um, Cincinnati's going to get Joe Burrow, and I, I actually do believe 
he's going to transition and and carry that team very quickly back to playoff contenders because the AFC North, I'm not necessarily sold on the Baltimore Ravens. Um, I'm certainly not sold on the Steelers or uh, or the Browns. So um, I would expect Cincinnati to take Joe Burrow uh, with the first overall pick, and I would see an immediate impact just like Andrew Luck had going in Indianapolis. I think Cincinnati is going to take Joe Burrow number one, and I think it's a huge mistake. I do not think that adding Joe Burrow to that awful team is going to make the Cincinnati Bengals any better than they were this year. Um, I think if I was them, what I would do is I would try to convince somebody like a Phillip Rivers to come in on a two-year deal, and I would take Chase Young. I think Chase Young is the best prospect in this entire draft, and if you stink which you're going to because you're the Cincinnati Bengals, you're in the Trevor Lawrence sweepstake for next year, and everything you said about Joe Burrow, Jeff, that's exactly how I feel about Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, Trevor Lawrence is... uh... I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna take anything away from him. he. He looks really good um, between Burrow and Trevor Lawrence in these two years. Um, yeah, that's why you're seeing these teams suck on purpose. I mean, they're tanking to get that number one pick to get these guys. Um, so I think without a doubt, Burrow goes to the Bengals. I mean, I agree with you. They they need some other pieces. Their defense came alive down the stretch. Um, AJ Green's not what he used to be, but between him and Tyler Boyd, they have some guys that can that can catch the ball. And uh, Joe Mixon's a pretty darn good running back. So, um, I I would actually expect. I, I would disagree. I think I do expect Burrow to make an impact. He's an elusive quarterback who who can run as well. Um, now, are they going to change from two and fourteen to fourteen and two? No, but um, eight and eight, seven and nine—I could see that kind of difference with Joe Burrow, um, and, and that's why they're going to have to field some offers. I think from Tampa Bay, maybe from Miami, um, maybe from the Redskins, even because uh, the, the Dwayne Haskins is not going to be the future in, in Washington. So. Um, in the case where somebody offers them a deal they can't turn down, there's plenty of other prospects to, to fill in, and they're not going to drop below below five. So you're going to get a top five pick and set up the franchise to, for the future to come. Um, I, I guess I wouldn't be opposed to that either. How about this one? What if the Oakland Raiders call you and say, we will give you Derek Carr and the number 12 pick for your number one pick? Do you take that deal? No, and we, you'd have to you would have to put in probably the next two years of first round draft picks. Well, they do have two first round picks this year too. So you're it would be number 12, 12 and pick, nineteen, I think it is. Twelve and nineteen, yeah, from the Bears. Um, so you'd have to get twelve and nineteen this year. Uh, and Derek with next Carr. year's. Does nobody like <laughs> yeah. Derek Carr all of a sudden? <laughs> No, I like him. That's I why think he works for the Bengals now. <laughs> <laughs> I think he would. Uh, I like Derek Carr. I think he's he gets a bad rap for no for no no real good reason. Um, when he was healthy a couple years ago, he put together a season that showed he he's got promise. But in order to get that first overall draft pick, they want the house. Um, so yeah, twelve and nineteen, and you're still probably looking at your next two first round draft picks for the next two years. I don't so think I, I and I don't think Raiders will give that up. I don't think I would Burrow's that good. 
<sighs> that let's see, he had the the greatest college season of all time. Um, but what I about mean, his gonna, first three years? I agree. So he he graduated early. What people don't know about Joe Burrow, he graduated early. He graduated in three years. So for the last two years, he's been taking no little to no classes and just been studying the playbook and watching film. He's been basically doing what they do in the NFL for the last two years. That's why you saw such a huge progression between, um, you know, 2018 and 2019. So, uh, he, He's got the workings. I think he transitions. I, I just don't see a way that he does it. He's too smart. He makes good decisions with the football. He seems like he's two steps ahead on the field, which to me, that's what that's when you can see a guy transitioning um, to, to being a successful NFL, NFL quarterback because he's already seeing two steps ahead on in the college game. It's already slow for him in college, um, which which makes it that much easier when he gets to the NFL. One quarterback that I think is going to be interesting to watch, Stevie, is going to be Tua Tangolovia. Um, Tua, obviously, he got injured this year. It's the same injury that took Bo Jackson out many, many years ago, that hip injury. But they're still believing that Miami is going to take him at number three. Would you use a number three pick on a quarterback that you know is not going to play at all his rookie season? It's hard to say. I mean, it's hard to say with with that team in particular because they have a lot of draft picks too. And they also have Ryan Fitzpatrick. So they could buy a year. And he said he wanted to come back to the Dolphins. He has a year left on his contract, I believe. Uh, it's hard to say. That's a, that's a tough injury back then, but I don't know if it's as tough to come back from now. The only thing I'd be worried about is that he's a mobile quarterback and the league is now starting to trend towards more mobile quarterbacks, how's that going to affect him? If he comes in and he's a statue and he can't run, I mean, you might as well just go for Brady. I know I keep bringing his name up, but if you're going to go for uh, your typical quarter or keep Josh Rosen, dude, that guy, this is, this is the thing. There's so many quarterbacks in this draft. How many of these guys could turn out to be like a Josh Rosen where they get all the football knocked out of them in a, in a bad system for a bad team? That's the thing with Burrow, speaking on that very quickly. He's not bad. Even the players on the team aren't really that bad. The entire entire infrastructure of the Cincinnati Bengals, the support, the, the food, I've mentioned it. Pat McAfee buries them all the time that these things add up within, a, within an organization. I'm surprised that... Maybe a memo hasn't gone out about him like the Jaguars, but there's probably an underneath movement saying, don't go to the Bengals. I think my regular tag team partner, RBV, the biggest Bengals fan that I know, actually, he's the only Bengals fan I know. I think he actually wrote the memo. <laughs> to to not awful. go to the Bengals. Yeah, that team is just awful. He buries them all the time. Uh, the other one I'm going to throw out there is Nate Stanley. Um, just because I'm from Iowa, I've watched Nate Stanley's entire career, the second winningest quarterback in the history of the University of Iowa, and I think he goes to the Pittsburgh Steelers in the third round, and he becomes the next Big Ben. I mean, if you put Big Ben and Nate Stanley next to one another in their full gear, I'm not sure that anybody would know the difference between the two guys, and they both throw the ball in the dirt exactly the same way. Wow, and the girls at the college bar are going to be scared to death with two of those guys there. Yeah, true story. <laughs> Especially since Ben Roethlisberger looks like he ate Ben Roethlisberger. My God, he's ballooned up. It's crazy. 
Uh, let's talk a little bit about the XFL as we wrap up this week's show. And we're going to do it at the close here. And we'll probably do it at the open next week because I have no idea what to expect from the XFL. Although I have very, very low expectations to begin with. Stevie, I, there's obviously a huge connection between the WWE financials that were released yesterday, the world of wrestling, Vince McMahon. There's there's so many different angles to take on this XFL thing. I'm just going to give you the floor and say whatever you want to say about this impending train wreck that is the XFL. Well, I want to. I want this clipped. Uh, we have a person in the Hami Media Group who clips stuff, so please clip what I'm about to say. What hypocrisy and what a double standard that you have wrestlers that are wrestling on the road, traveling, working these TVs and shows all around the world, including Saudi Arabia, over 300 days a year, and you still institute a marijuana policy, a drug testing policy for marijuana. Yet these XFL guys, which you said, you only want quality character people. Let's see how much that holds up. You do not. You emphasize that you will not drug test for marijuana in the NFL, in the XFL, excuse me. But the wrestlers have to suffer through this. And once again, when you take the marijuana out of it, pills, alcohol, more dangerous and more addictive drugs are introduced to try to numb the pain and to try to get through all the travel, time zones, everything that a professional wrestler goes through day in and day out without the support of a, a, a full training staff, a rehab thing. You're you're essentially on your own when you're on the road. So I just wanted to start off with that because right there, you're talking about something that is just like wrestlers. I, I would say on the XFL side, it might be a train wreck, but then you look at another pebble in the pond in WWE to cause the morale in that locker room to drop even, even further. Yep, absolutely. Uh, Jeff, there are four games this weekend. The Dragons at the Defenders on ABC Saturday at 2 p.m. Eastern. Wildcats at Roughnecks on Fox at 5. Vipers at Guardians Sunday on Fox at 2. And then Battlehawks at Renegades Sunday at 5. That plug right there is more advertising than I have seen all week for the XFL. I think this thing is just going to be an absolute mess. And I think that the timing launching one week after the NFL's best football game of the year, and then you're going to launch a B brand with subpar football one week later, I think the rating is going to be tremendous for that Dragons versus Defenders game on ABC at 2 p.m. And I think by the time the Vipers and Guardians kick off on Sunday, nobody's going to give a fuck. <laughs> uh, I hope not. I'm rooting for the XFL in this particular situation. So what they're going to need is a grab, though. Um, I remember when the XFL, I don't know how many ever years ago that was, um, they did the, the names on the back of the jersey, allowed the guys to put whatever they wanted. Um, that that got talked about. But the thing that got talked about was their, their kickoff. They put the ball at the 50-yard line, put their two fastest guys, and let them go. And there was some absolute train wreck hits on that. Um, I think they're going to have to get a grab. Uh, early on to get people talking um, in order to watch. I don't know if the timing is bad or good. I could go either way on it. I, I agree with you, Jargo, but then I think, well, when is the good time to do this? Uh, you're trying not to compete with the NFL uh, because obviously we know that's a failure. Um, baseball, uh, 
I, I guess it's not really a competition in the summer, um, but people are doing out doing shit during the summer. You know what I mean? They're not going to sit down. It's 85 degrees out. They plunk their ass on the couch and watch the XFL. So I, I don't know when the good time or bad time would be. Um, I just say it's as good a time as any. I'll be watching um, because there's nothing else on Sundays or sa- or Saturdays really at this point. I'm curious about this extra point thing. That's the thing that really has me the most intrigued for the XFL going forward, whether you want to go for a one point, a two point, or a three point conversion. That intrigues me greatly. Stevie, I know you've been over the rules to the XFL. What has you the most intrigued going into this weekend? I, I think that does as well as the uh, the double pass. The double, as you know, multiple passes behind the line of scrimmage or double lateral, whatever you want to call it. The thing that that I do not like, and it takes some of the skill out of the game, and they're just trying to do it for that that grab, is uh, coffin kicks from punters or whatever. That you you basically you need to ret- that's going to introduce, I believe, a lot of lot more danger and maybe injuries into the game because no matter what it is, you're going to have to you're going to have to you know deal with that punt. I, I don't know. It's it's just something I'm I'm not quite sure about. I would say too that that essentially the XFL is a half billion dollar R and D for the NFL. They're going to look at all the rules. They're going to look at everything. They're going to take stuff from it, and that's what the XFL has to look at. Like we're the guinea pigs for this stuff. Now on the other end of it, you're talking about college football, which when the XFL was announced almost two years ago. This whole pay-to-play thing was not even introduced in California. Now that it is, are you really going to tempt college players to not play the full three or four years before they go to the NFL? Because that was what they were kind of, Jeff, wasn't that what they were kind of counting on? Yes. Yeah, I think that's what they were banking on um, is, is these guys not doing that. I think one of the biggest things about the first run of the XFL that is incredibly understated is how much the NFL stole from them. Almost everything that you see when it comes to production, as far as the microphones on the field, the overhead cams on the wires, that all started in the XFL. And I think the NFL will be watching this incredibly close. Jeff, before we started recording, you were saying that you had went over these rosters. You were trying to check out who some of the better teams are going to be, really sparking your intrigue for the XFL. What are you looking for going into week one of the XFL? Well, I, I went through for recognizable names just from the NFL to the XFL. There wasn't there wasn't too many um, that jumped off the page and say, "Holy shit, I can't believe he's playing." Um, Bob Stoops would be the biggest name, obviously. I think in the whole thing, he's with the Dallas Renegades as a head coach. He was at Oklahoma, Oklahoma from '99 to 2017. He retired there, and they have Landry Jones, who played for the Steelers. Um, and and started a couple games when when Ben Roethlisberger went down. They also have a local hero for us, Eric Dungy, played at SU. He's backing Jones up, and they have Cameron Artis Payne, who was a running back at the Panthers for for quite a few years. So um, that would be the team I'm going to keep my eye on, just with uh, with Bob Stoops as the head coach. Um, and then I'll be looking at those the gameplay changes. Kickoffs are vastly different. Um, punts, uh, Stevie was touching on it. The punting, if the punter kicks the ball, 
say at the two yard line, which in the NFL would be a phenomenal punt. Doesn't matter. The other team, the receiving team automatically starts at the 35. Um, they're trying to incentivize teams to go forward on fourth down. Um, the kickoff is going to look very strange. You'll have the return team players starting on their 30 yard line, the kicking team starting on the returning team's 35. So you're only going to see the teams five yards apart. Um, and then the ball, the only person allowed to move before the ball is kicked is the receiver and the kicker. So you're going to see returns. Um, it's going to be very strange. <laughs> There's going to be a couple of things that are uh, hard to watch at first, but if they become successful, think about how terrible the punts. It's a fair catch almost every single time. Um, commercial break same thing for kickoff and that's just after they came back from a commercial so um those are built in basically time stoppers in the nfl uh i'm excited to see how the xfl changes with with those two particular plays that aren't going to be time stoppers they're going to be actual potentially exciting plays the running clock intrigues me greatly too very much like it is in soccer Stevie, I'm going to give you the final word before we wrap this week up. Obviously, there's players, just like I said before, they're, they're, they're at least in the XFL doing some stuff to support the players' pain management with that. I don't know what kind of drug testing. I especially don't know what kind of concussion protocol they're going to do. So this first season, these these guys are essentially pioneers in this XFL, just like the first time when they were doing it. And they could take a lot of punishment in this first this first uh, go of it, like they did in the AF. It was an experiment. I hope it lasts for the sake of the players. The, the pay scale is a lot better than the original where everybody got 45 grand a year and then you got your bonuses for the championship uh, you know, tournament. But there's so much stuff that I just, from I was in the WWE when the XFL, I did the thing with the shirt and tie and trying to, to get the cheerleaders out of the ring and all this other stuff. I just can't see Vince not blurring the lines and keeping them completely separate. I see him really trying, especially if the ratings don't go up, if they aren't where they want to be. It's a natural thing for them to try to cross over with the wrestlers and doing things and all that stuff, which, by the way, Oklahoma Firefighters Fund is suing Vince right now and then trying to get an SEC investigation due to the fact that the, that they're saying that funds are being diverted or funneled over from WWE to the XFL being WWE investors. There's a lot of stuff that's happened, some of which I think was kind of on purpose, maybe from the NFL or other entities that are already you know being looked at very closely before they even play their first game. So... But like I said, going back to the first point, I, I really would love the players to have a place to play, a place to make money and support their families, and I hope it lasts just for that reason alone. You'll see. So that's going to wrap things up for this week's show. Thanks for listening, and if you haven't yet, please hit that subscribe button. Then find the entire HTM Podcast Network online, hittingthemarks.com, Hameen Media, hackerhameen.podbean.com, and be sure to find us on Twitch, twitch.tv backslash conspiracyhorseman. RBV and I will be back a little bit later on this afternoon for an all-new edition of HTM Sports to talk about the latest trades from the NBA and Major League Baseball. Until then, you can find me across all social media platforms at NotJargo. Jeff, have you signed up for the Twitterverse yet? Not yet. <laughs> so, oh, I just, yeah, I'm going to try and stay away from it. Um, 
but I'm sure I'm sure it'll it'll catch up with me. But yeah, I appreciate you guys having me on again. This is fun. Absolutely. Stevie, why don't you tell the people what you gentlemen, as well as Greek God Papadon, talked about on this week's Conspiracy Horseman and how to keep up with you on social media. Well, this week, uh, we actually had the Disco Inferno on from the, the fellow member of the Realm Network and the Russo brand and talked about a lot of different stuff and, you know, how much of a, a truther, in a way, a truth seeker that, that Glenn is and talked about the Vegas uh, shootings and the lack of media coverage in that. Like, it's just really mind boggling how it's all just kind of locked down around there information wise. Uh, but as far as me, uh, StevieRichardsFitness.com, uh, we have the 12 and 16 week resistance band training program my wife just did the read for our cartoon commercial was more focused on women and that's actually been really successful and she did a great job with the voiceover on that also on youtube concerning football i talked about nfl 2k5 every year i put up a video about how it's better than madden which it really is and this year has been getting really good traction on the video saying ESPN NFL 2K5 is still the best football game in 2020. And I'm actually going to start making the rounds to to do interviews about that game because gaming sites have, have caught on to that and want to talk to me about that. And uh, speaking of games, I'm going to be at PAX East later this month, month representing Retromania Wrestling too. So come by there, talk some NFL 2K5 or Retromania Wrestling with me. Very awesome. Very awesome. We will talk to you next week right back here inside your ear holes. But for now, we're off like a prom dress. See ya!